The saga continues. Wu-Tang, Wu-Tang. Olympic torch flaming. We burn so sweet. The thrill of victory. The agony defeat. We crush slow. Flaming deluxe slow. Poor judgment day cometh. Conquer is war. Episode four of the Throw Chat podcast. We have two of the best American gliders here, Alex Renner and Luke Warning. Thanks for joining us, guys. Thanks for having us. Yep, thanks. And so just a little bit of background, we'll start with Alex, holds a PR of 19 meters and, 19 meters and 62, um, first team All-American, multiple league titles, and holds a school record. And now both of these guys were at the last NCAA Outdoor Championship, so I'm sure you're familiar with their names. And then Luke Warning, PR 1898, second team All-American, Patriot League champion, and also holds his own school record. Yep. Uh, Luke has the school record at Lehigh University in Pennsylvania. And Alex Renner has the school record at South Dakota State University. North Dakota State. North Dakota University. State University. <laughs> yeah, don't, you can't mess that one up, man. <laughs> oh, dang. Right off the bat. Uh, so what got you guys uh, into throwing individually? Um, we'll start with you, Alex. What kind of drew you to the shot put? Sure. Yeah, I started my sophomore year of high school. That's kind of when I first really got into it. Uh the football coach who's a throws coach and that's kind of how I first got into it and then I, I was actually a high jumper mainly my freshman year of high school and then uh, kind of dabbled in the shot put a little bit and then took third in the state in South Dakota in high school and then just kind of grew from there and and so yeah that's kind of how I got into it. That's cool so you you were you started off as a high jumper were you a big high jumper in high school? Well, I was a lot smaller back then. I, I jumped 5'10 when I was a freshman in high school, and I was just kind of raw, and uh, yeah, and then I just kind of got into lifting a little bit more, and then um, got a little bigger and couldn't really high jump anymore, and then <laughs> it just tra- it translated pretty well into the shot, so so yeah. So you just kind of, were you kind of like leaning more towards field events? You didn't want to be on the track too much? Yeah, you know, I, I don't know, I had decent speed, but it was, uh, yeah, I mean, that's just kind of, the throws and the jumps just, is just kind of my thing, so, so yeah. So, like, was uh, shot put kind of like your main thing even in high school, or did you kind of dabble in the other throwing events quite a bit? No, kind of what I did was I would high jump one day, and then I'd go to shot put one, the other day, and <laughs> so I didn't really get into discus that much in high school, and then... Once I stopped jumping, I threw the discus a little bit, but uh, yeah, shot was just kind of my main thing, and uh, and then I never really did the discus in college, just kind of focused on the shot, and I picked up the hammer, and uh, ended up having a decent hammer career as well, so, so yeah, I just kind of did two events in college, and uh, yeah, so it translated pretty well. That's awesome. Um, so you kind of... Were, were, you, were you doing the high jump up through your senior year or just that sophomore year or early early just, high school? Uh, yeah, yeah, just freshman and sophomore year, and I did middle school too. And uh, and so, yeah, I just kind of gave it up to focus on throwing. Just definitely had a higher ceiling there and, you know, just had more opportunities and placing third in the state as a sophomore and then winning the state title my junior and senior year in South Dakota was a big, kind of a big sign that that's kind of where my future was going. And so, yeah. So you going being a kid from South Dakota winning their state championship was that a bit of a betrayal ending up at North Dakota State? <laughs> Is there a big rivalry between those two? Oh yeah, that's a big that's a big rivalry. You know, uh, 
um, it's a good one, though. You know, I respect those guys down there. Um, but, you know, I'm really proud of my decision I made to go to NDSU. And, and uh, you know, nothing against the South Dakota schools. It's just, for me personally, it was a better fit. And I was uh, very fortunate to be part of um, a very good program at NDSU that we kind of uh, developed the past few years under Justin St. Clair. So, yeah, it was uh, definitely don't have any regrets about uh, jumping the line. As you should. Uh, I was I really became aware of North Dakota State and their throws program in the last two years, uh, kind of based around you know seeing the performances that you were having. But then just seeing how deep your entire throws group is, and especially uh, looking at, I was I, I was looking at what you guys are scoring at your conference meets, and you guys are taking like one through five, like in every throwing event. It seemed like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we, yeah. We did really well. We were, uh, you know, men and women javelin, hammer, discus shot. You know, we we pretty much. Um, took the cake and all of them for the past, in the past few years and you know give or take a couple events and uh, a couple days and conference titles but you know that's you're exactly right Justin uh, has done a great job developing an all around program and just a great culture where guys are pushed to succeed and you know the expectation is extremely high and uh, you know you don't make it if you don't have a high expectation you kind of gotta you gotta live up to it and uh you know, people grow and they flourish in that environment. Yeah, I, th- I think that's I think that's true for a lot of those uh, those great programs. Um, and we'll pass it off to Luke now because um, you know him and I've known each other for years. Uh, I think I knew, I, I knew Luke since he was in high school, and uh, he comes from another uh, really good training group that's not necessarily like within the university and NCA, but. He's a current athlete at Garage Strength uh, back in my hometown of Reading in PA. Uh, so, Luke, how did you get involved in the shot put? Yeah, so uh, my path is pretty similar. I mean, I was, uh, I was, uh, football was my thing. Love football. Um, that was my thing in high school. Uh, but as you know, football ends in football ends in like November. You got nothing to do. I I can't play basketball for my life, never really got into wrestling, uh, but my one buddy is like, you know, come out, come on the track team, you know, we can throw some javelin, I'm like, alright, whatever, uh, that was my sophomore year in high school, um, uh, I, I was never really good in high school, I think maybe my junior year I threw 40 feet, my senior year I went 46, um, but my senior year I got a great opportunity that I was able to train with Dane. Dean Miller at Garage Strength, um, who's probably one of the greatest people and coaches I've ever met. Mm-hmm. Um, Can't argue with that. that oppor- yeah, yeah, that, that opportunity, it, it gave me the ability to you know, see more um, out of this, uh, you know, doing the throwing. So I decided to train full-time. I, I knew I wanted to go to Lehigh University. Um, I was not recruited at all there or anywhere. So I trained through my first semester. I didn't go to school until January. Trained through to through to December. Um, you know, I, I I just loved doing it. Kept up with it, and I was able to walk on to the team when I got there my freshman year. Yeah, could you walk us through your uh, development in distance? Because um, I was I was training with you from 
your senior year up until you and I both went off to college, and I think it might surprise people what the spike in distance you had within a period of about six to eight months after you graduated high school. Right. So I can't remember when it was, but my senior year of high school, I threw 46 feet once. Um, I bombed out of districts. I never made it to a state competition. Um, but I loved doing it. I loved the gym, loved groups. So I'm like, here, keep doing it. Um, went to a summer meet probably in July after I'd graduated. I think I'd thrown low 12s, mid 12s, 11s, stuff like that. That's what I was throwing at that point. Um, I wasn't going to school yet because I wasn't going until January, so I was working in the mornings, training after work, then getting some credits out of the way at night school. Um, once I stopped working, I started doing double sessions. Um, then in December, I went out to a meet in Monmouth, Monmouth University with Dane, and I believe I threw 14 meters 60. Um, I didn't think it was a big deal, but I remember you freaking out about that throw. Um, yeah, it's on YouTube somewhere, I think. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I messaged my future coach at Lehigh. I'm like, hey, this is what I threw. And he's like, you're number one on the team. So I walked on. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I don't know how that kind of growth was possible, and I don't know how long I'm going to continue to grow at this rate that I am growing, but I haven't slowed down yet. And this senior year has been my greatest developmental year yet. So I don't see any reason why I can't keep growing at the rate that I'm growing. Yeah, no, good point. Um, and I know basically from watching you on social media and keeping in touch with you, you're still training even after graduating college, which is, uh, um, you know, that's a, that's a tough life ahead of you, but you know, all power to you. Cause I think you can make it and, uh, do some big things. Thank you. Appreciate it. Uh, kind of turn that over to Alex. Uh, similar question. Are you still throwing now after graduating? Or I kind of heard you're maybe going towards coaching? Uh, yeah, right now, um, well, I, um, I have a full-time teaching position at a middle school in Fargo. And then uh, I just uh, signed up to be a volunteer assistant at NDSU. So I'll be training with the team every day. Um um, uh, starting really quick, so just kind of been up there a few days already, and you know had had some good time off. But uh, yeah, I'll be training and throwing and uh, competing. So yeah, I'll be ready to go. Awesome. Maybe we could see you guys battle out in a few months. <laughs> that will be fun. I'm looking to get to some good meets this year. Yeah, you bet. It'll be uh, hopefully we see each other at a couple meets. Yeah. Um, so we're kind of, the main discussion of, t uh, of the podcast today is kind of something that you guys both share is, uh, the fact that you guys are gliders and you're, you know, two of the top, two of the better throwers in the United States right now. And, but I think you are the top two gliders that are still, uh, training. What kind of spurred you guys to maybe start with the glide, but I think more importantly, stick with the glide as long as you have. Do you want to take this first, Alex, or you want me to take it? Uh, yeah, sure, I can take it first. Uh, so, yeah, I guess I glided in high school, and uh, the coach that I had then, uh, you know, he was very pro-glide. He was, uh, you know, he didn't really teach any spinners, and it was, 
just kind of ingrained in me then that you can do a lot of things gliding. You know, you don't have to spin. And then uh, when I came to college, you know, Coach St. Clair just kind of, he's the type of coach where not every person fits in a mold. You got to do what each person can do based off their strengths. And, uh, you know, we, we messed around with the spin a little bit, and uh, it was just, you know, I, I just move a lot better in a linear motion, not necessarily rotationally, and so it was just clear right away that I was going to glide. And, and uh, yeah, you know, I, and I, you know, I've had a pretty good progression, too. My first year, I started out about 50 feet. And it was like 56, and 61, and 62, and 64. So, so yeah, you know, at this point, I can't really complain with what's happened with uh, gliding because it's it's been I've been getting better. You know, I haven't reached the ceiling, and so that's so yeah, kind of the same same thing. Yeah, so we'll pass it off to Luke now. What what kind of I've kind of seen you almost battle back and forth because I think like a period of three years ago, I want to say you were thinking about spinning, weren't you? Yeah, so I mean, going back to high school, um, I didn't have a coach. I learned from uh, I learned how to throw from my buddy Nick Deal, um, and he only knew how to glide. But uh, I didn't really learn how to glide. I remember distinctly learning at first that your drive out of the back should be from kicking your left leg. So I wasn't really taught how to glide correctly. Um, but then going in with Dane, it was my senior year. And, you know, with things like that, you got a kid who's not that good going into their senior year. You know, what's the point of really changing them up if they're only going to be here for three months? So he just tried to develop me as a glider. Uh, I chose to stick around. And at that point, it's like, all right, this is what this kid's doing. You know, why not keep with that? Or at least that's how I would read his thought process. Um then going into college, uh, I had become the number one guy on the team, um, and I'd come in with kind of like a chip on my shoulder, like I don't want to change, I love my coach back home, I don't really want to be, I, I came in not buying into that program, mm. um, so I didn't want to change, and he didn't really ask me to change. Um, my sophomore year... I wanted to see what would happen if I changed. I did that through three months with rotational, um, through like 15-something in a meet. The next day at practice, I'm like, I want to see how the glide holds up. And I go 16-25. I'm like, well, I guess I'm gliding again. <laughs> um, so I, I just think for me, it's my ability. I think at first it was the ability to more so in glide, you can really grit your teeth, knuckle down, you know, flex everywhere kind of feel and just force it as opposed to it's not, it, it, it didn't at first feel as much of finessing a rotation. Yeah. Yeah, I, I can kind of sympathize with that when I glided. I felt like um, when you're going to a bigger meet, uh, at least a more intense competitive meet, you felt like, you know, you can kind of channel... Um, all the power in your body a little better, and kind of, there's, a, I feel like there's more of a, there's more of a cockiness. I feel like that I had when I was gliding that I don't know it's easier to have because it's a simpler move. Have you guys kind of felt the same way, like going into those big competitions, looking for those big results? 
So I've always, going into competitions, I've always been a very consistent thrower, I feel. Um, like, if you were to look at how I competed at nationals, I put three throws in my three throws within 30 centimeters of there, within four centimeters of my PR. I mean, I've just always felt more consistent. I felt more, you know, a lot more things can go wrong right now and I'll be able to recover. Um, but it was also a different thing my senior year. I really started to hone down on the technical side and not try to just muscle it. So it, it's a completely different aspect when, you know, something that at one point felt like just force it to now, okay, now I'm getting into the finesse side and knowing this is when I need to work the technique hard. This is when I need to just erupt. Mm-hmm. Is that kind of similar for you, Alex? Yeah, you know, I would... You know, I, I tend to, I understand where you're coming from. I think that just goes to, to show that there's so many different styles within the glide. You know what I mean? Like there's there's gliders that that kind of, they need to be more tense and more, you know what I mean? You mentioned like that flex mindset where you're just really jacked up. You know what I mean? For me, I can't really do that because I'm not, you know, I got to find a happy medium. You know what I mean? I can't get too jacked up, otherwise, uh, you know, I'll tank. It's too much. And uh, so I got to kind of find a happy medium where in my mind I'm laser focused and, and uh, you know, it's uh, really, you know, in practice thinking about technique and really just getting better. And then when you go compete, just turn it off and then just go compete. You know, don't even think about anything because you've already put in the work and uh you know you should be ready just to go and throw and compete and yeah. uh yeah it's about building that fluidity right uh, and, and that was a big breaking point for me this year was realizing practice doesn't have to be a great throw i just need to get to the point where i'm building these habits and now i'm stepping into the circle and I can see a throw in my head, and I know exactly what I'm going to do into the circle. It's that fluid feel to it. Right, right. And I would agree, too. Like, I would say, generally, gliders are very consistent. You know what I mean? Like, um, like you're not going to throw 16, 16, 18. You know what I mean? It's going to be all around the same ballpark. And you might have one throw that's, you know, obviously better, but... I do. I've seen that too. That you know, gliders generally are pretty consistent. Yeah. Um, between, but I, I definitely could say I, I remember that when I was gliding was um, there wasn't too much of a peak in distance. But I will say, and I think you guys kind of mentioned this, my distances in practice were never that great. I always felt like I could confidently add maybe let's say 70 centimeters to maybe a meter on my throw when I got into competition because you just kind of feel more comfortable with the technique, you know, that you're working in training and then kind of the adrenaline hits you, the competition, you just, you know how to channel it. Right. I would totally agree. Like I'm not a, I don't PR in practice. Like uh, I would say when the lights come on, there's something else that comes out that's like that higher gear. Mm-hmm. Where I'm able to kind of channel that energy and and make a, a bigger throw and and yeah, that's exactly right. Like 
you know, my PRs have never came in practice. Yeah. And I would say uh, I've gotten better, you know, at practicing and, and things, but I'm not concerned about that. You know, I'm concerned about timing and technique, and then I'll throw big when, it, when, I, when you need to, you know, and, and then you don't got to think about the timing and the technique because you've already thought about it. So this is this is just a curiosity from from a guy who was uh, in the in, in D one especially for for a period of time. Would you guys get a lot of questions when you're warming up saying, "Hey man, how far are you throwing?" or something like that? And then you and then you probably kind of give them that smirk like, "Well, we'll see what happens today because practice the distances you're hitting practice may not tell the whole story of what you might hit that day." Yeah, like the beginning the beginning part of. My college career, I remember, like, before a championship meet, it was, like, the worst week of my training ever. But <laughs> you could ask uh, my my first college coach, Jeff Flambaum, who's now at University of Pennsylvania, UPenn. Um, he would always say, I would go into practice. I'm throwing the 16. I'll go 14 years in practice. And I'd be able to walk in and say, yeah, I'm good for 1650 tomorrow. And that's all I am. I, 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 yeah, I, I can throw, I think we worked out that I will throw in a meet what I can throw a non with the 14 pretty much Hmm. in practice. I would agree with that. I would agree. It's whatever you, whatever I've thrown a 14 in practice is what I believe I can throw with a 16. I'd agree with that totally. Hmm, interesting statistics. <laughs> um, do you guys kind of have a memory of like, or may not, may it's not a singular memory, but since you guys are both going the post collegiate route, did you kind of have that feel, uh, some sort of feeling within the last two years, or at least a moment where you're kind of like, I think I can do this after college. Like, I think this is worth pursuing. Uh, did you guys have uh, have a moment between the both of you? Yeah, I could tell you exactly what that moment was. Um, Last year, uh, I'm a chemical engineer, and I'm still doing that right now. But last year, over the summer, I remember freaking out as I was going to training in the morning, going to work, uh, my internship, then lifting afterwards. And it was hectic, and I was really worried I wasn't going to be able to do this. Um, I remember breaking down with one of my assistant coaches, like, I don't know how this is possible. You know, do I need to completely change my career path? Um, And she pretty much just sat down like yeah you're gonna figure it out and I think at that point I kind of said to myself you know this is something I value this is my passion you know this is more important than money to me this is more important than a lot of things to me and I'm at the point now where if my work encroaches on my training I will quit work before I quit my training because it's it means that much to me. It, it, it got to the point over that summer of me grinding out by myself that I could say, yeah, this is what I want to do. This is more important than anything else in the world to me. Yeah, I, I can sympathize with that a lot, Luke. I've been, I think you and I have had conversations in the past where, uh, you know, you, you, you are, you know, it's a very lonely sport in that sense. And uh, no one, not too many people are going to be there patting your back, telling you, you know, to keep going along because there's a lot, there's a lot of real life behind it. Uh, the finances, um, the time you have to spend either on work or even a social life and you have to get the training in 
because you know it's it, it, it's a it's a big life decision to try to commit to the sport. Yeah, you know, and I for me it's one of those things. Just like Luke said, you know, if you love it, you know, you want to be able to do it as long as you can. And you know, I'm for my job. You know, it's uh, I'm I'm surrounded by sports and and by coaching all day long, and so it's. I just kind of, I'm in that mindset all the time now, and I can just go up to NDSU after I get done with work and train for a few hours, and then, and so, yeah, but like you said, it's, if you love it, then you got to do it, and so I'm, that's kind of where I'm at, you know, I want to see how far I can take it, and, uh, you know, I know I'm capable of more, and there's been, I've seen it, you know, it just hasn't happened, and, I, and there's been good things that have happened, but I know I'm capable of a lot more, and, and I can't go to bed at night knowing that uh just giving up because i know what's left you know i know there's a lot left to go yeah um so i guess something we're kind of going into for for the both the uh just this general glide discussion is um you know because you guys are such kind of a rare breed especially in the u.s um do you think maybe your performances might kind of spur more people on to thinking um, oh, well, maybe, you know, the glide isn't dead. Maybe we can keep on. Maybe, you know, I am a high schooler. Maybe I'm throwing like 50, 55 feet. Maybe I've tried spinning in the past. It doesn't work. And then you go into college. Like maybe it's worth pursuing, con- continuing to stick with the glide. Because I can say when I got to college, it was kind of a – there's kind of like that um, – there's, there's, there's this general feeling among throwers that's like if you're gliding, it's kind of like, oh, well, you, you know, you're going to eventually spin. And I think uh, an interesting thing between the both of you is not only are you gliders, but you guys aren't really the tallest of gliders either. You know, you guys aren't, you guys aren't like, you know, 6'5 to 6'7, um, like you might see in Europe. You know, you guys are, uh, I, I'm not sure exactly, what Alex, what your height is, but I know, Luke, you're like 6'1, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 6'1, yep. <laughs> so do you think, like, maybe people will, will kind of see that, you know, that you could be, you know, a six-foot glider and you can throw far. I would really hope so. <laughs> yeah. Um, someone commented on a Rose chat, I think that you posted recently, asking, like, who is your favorite glider or will the glide die or something like that? And someone tagged me, like, oh, not if Luke is Warren is still doing it. And as egotistical as that might sound, but, like, you know, part of what I post is that I want to inspire people to be able to do this. And I want people to know, like, you go back down to the bottom, you see me struggle, you know, cleaning 225. And then the other day I hit 170 kilos. You know, I want people to see that all of this is possible. Um, I don't think I'm genetically predispositioned towards anything. You know, my dad did sports in high school, but, you know, he wasn't an athletic junkie the way I am. My mom didn't do anything athletic. I don't think you need to be special to be special. You can make yourself into what you want to be, and I hope that what I'm doing inspires people to realize that that could be them too. You just have to care enough. You need to just understand what it takes to get there. You know, give a damn. That's all it is. What What do you think uh, about it, Alex? Yeah, you know, um, 
I think it goes back to, uh, you know, I, like there is a stigma that like the glide is sort of dying. I, but I like, I gotta admit, like, I don't necessarily think of it that way. Like, like when I was in college, like I had a teammate who was throwing 61 feet, like, and he was gliding. Like I had, you know what I mean? Conrad Schwarzkopf. Like I had another teammate who was throwing 59 and he was gliding. I had another teammate who was throwing 56 and he was gliding. You know what I mean? And so I don't, like, I don't, like, I'm, I was around it enough, so, like, I never thought about it as, like, the glide was dying, and, you know, I, I still feel like it depends, like, you know, not every kid is the realistic expectation is for them to be a national champion or All-America or an Olympian. Like, for some kids, it's like that maybe their goal is just to make a team or to make a conference team or or something you know what I mean so mm -hmm. it depends on like what you want to do and like the, you know who's this like if you want to glide then glide or if you want to spin then spin that's great um but yeah I don't I definitely don't think the glide is ever gonna go anywhere because I mean as far as I know like at the high school level I mean, at least around here like the majority of kids glide mm -hmm. you know what I mean and it's kind of like the basic movement so even like spinners like in order to effectively spin, like a lot of those guys, you know, they were gliders and being able to learn how to move across the ring is huge. Um, so yeah, I mean, I got a lot of thoughts on that. I think, I think that like on Instagram, for example, like I don't post a lot of things like all the time, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like Luke, I think it's great that you do, you know, and obviously like you inspire these kids and these people to, to work their way up, I 100% agree, you know, I, but I would just say that I think there are, like, it's out there, I, I would say it's out there maybe more than than we would think, you know what I mean, and so, yeah, I, just kind of a different perspective from my end. <laughs> I think that the one issue, just to play devil's advocate, this isn't, like, my entire thought process on it, I think there's um, a reluctance for some coaches to coach the glide and I think there's also an issue with coaches knowing how to coach the glide well that's actually but something I, I, I was going to bring up there's yeah. an issue with coaching I don't think every coach out there has a solid technical basis to go off of I would agree so I would agree that's an issue with every single event you're going to do right like, like yeah exactly man like some people will think the glide is like so like really simple but like if you really get down in it like it's just about you can get as technical as you want to get you know what i mean like and i 100 percent agree you know there's uh i don't i really don't think a lot of people know how to teach the glide and coach the glide to that to that point that you can you know some of these top spinners and things there's a lot more intricacy to it i think is the best way to put it you can look at the glide from a big picture and say, there's so much going on. But then once you get down, and what I'm starting to just get into now is these little subtle things that could make a world of a, dis a difference. Right. I, I change a few small technical things you may not even see in video to the layman, and I go another meter. Where I think right. No, yeah. It's, it's more cut and dry. It's more, you know, it, it's harder to learn, maybe a little easier to master. Where the glide is 
easier to learn at first, but I think it's a lot harder to master. And I'm definitely biased on that subject. All right. And I'll say, like you mentioned earlier, someone mentioned earlier about, you know, me and Luke are both shorter gliders. You know, with that said, like, I don't, like, for me, like, it's not really helpful for me to study David Storrell's technique <laughs> because I'm not 6'6", six, six, I'm not 6'7", or a Tomas, you know what I mean? I'm not that size, you know what I mean? So, like, I got to look at guys throughout history that are, that have been shorter, like a 6'3", like a John Brenner from UCLA, um, you know, who is about 6'3", you know, at least a little shorter. Like, this, the, the style of the glide is 100% different, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you look when you look at the basics, and so I, you really got to look at that too. Like you can't, you know, you, if if you don't have the engine of a Ferrari, you can't, and uh, you got the engine of a Ford, you can't pretend to be a Ferrari. You gotta you gotta be you and do what you can do. Yeah, I don't mean to hijack this from you, Jason. Um, <laughs> Alex, no, keep talking. Honestly, we love it. Who do you watch the most? I would say Brenner, John Brenner. Uh, it's kind of like. He's uh, yeah, he's a big one, and uh, just because you look you look him up, you know he threw seventy two ten in college, and and that's uh, just looking at his size physically, like it's something that I can almost try to replicate. Whereas like, um, you know, a Storo, like he's fun to watch, but like, man, I I just don't have that type of body, you know? Yeah, yeah, you can't you can't have your foot you know, three quarters of the way behind the circle and still be able to drive. You know, we'll be in, like, almost full splits at that point, and that's hard to rationalize. I completely understand that. Yeah, right. Yeah, I remember uh, it, it was always hard to find someone who was around <laughs> six foot because um, I'm also six foot tall. Uh, I, I mean, I, of course, switched the spin eventually, but I remember, like, Dane and I would try to find people that I could watch to glide like you know years ago when I was in high school and first year of college so it's like I remember there was a, a guy from Bulgaria who threw about 21 meters um, his name escapes escapes me I think his name was Ivan Ivanov and I it's like trying to find someone who kind of looks like you or at least like is similar height was so hard and I remember in high school it was like Dane was like okay watch Manuel Martinez watch Manuel Martinez and then you're seeing videos of Manuel Martinez benching like 700 pounds. So it's kind of like, okay, well, I mean, close enough. <laughs> right. Yeah, and I would say, like, for a shorter glider, like, being explosive is extremely important. You, you know, like, the gliders that are, like, the upper six foot, like, they, they can use their levers, you know what I mean, to throw. Whereas, like, for us, like, we really got to be explosive. I think that that jumping ability, for me, like, that really translated. And, like, you got to have a really good right side. Like, mm-hmm. that's – if you're shorter and you don't have a good right side, you're going to struggle, you know what I mean? You got to yeah. have an explosive arm, an explosive right leg. And, uh, yeah, and because you can't, you can't just simply use your levers and your size to get it out there, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's kind of the other thing is, um, I mean, we don't really talk too much technique, but I can say that when you are shorter, you have to use every inch of your body, especially when you're trying to go and attack it at the finish. You know, you really have to work the ground, and you can't get away with 
probably jumping off the two off two feet like taller people can because they have that extended reach over the toe board. You really have to get that whole transfer. And that, you know, like Luke said earlier, missing just like half a second or even a quarter of a second off of a single movement or transferring at the wrong time, that can cost you, you know, upwards to a meter in distance and, you know, could cost you a championship. Very, 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 you have to really fine-tune something, especially when you lack that, um, you know, that extra benefit of those longer levers. Yeah, 100%. You can't you can't mess up timing. And the sequence that everything happens has to be right. And if mm-hmm. one thing is ahead of another thing, uh, you, you don't get away with it. So we're kind of shifting the topic from, like, you know, what you guys generally do, who you guys look to as, uh, you know, some models. But generally, like, who were your guys, like, people to watch like who were you kind of like even if they weren't necessarily a technical model like who would you guys say is probably like your top gliders just to watch and enjoy seeing them perform so I'll, I'll just go off who my technical models are I was never like you guys were saying I was never trying to look for guys who are my size mm-hmm. my big technical model at first was Storl and I would watch a Storl video like before big meets to try to get in that rhythm to be like Storl um as I'm moving forward, though, I'm starting to look at a lot more. Dane has always pushed Wolf Timmerman on me. Um, I, I was never a big fan just because all the videos are incredibly grainy and they're tough to watch. Yep. Um, uh, but a lot more so now, I'm watching a ton of um, Michael Carter. I really like his technique. I really like the, the things that I'm working on are very accentuated with him. Um, as much as I wouldn't throw the way Michelle Carter throws, she does those things I want to change very well. So I've been able to go into practices and say, I'm going to throw like Michelle Carter today in this one thing. And I try to channel the way she throws. I remember seeing this one shot from uh, the Olympics a still frame it's like that is the position I want to hit and I just see that one thing in my head so I never I never like did a ton of video analysis but it was always you know picking the nitpicking from all these different guys based on what I need to fix you know when it was you know getting out of the board it was still now with my right hip and my right side and being better on my right foot it's more Michael and Michelle Carter. Any any ones that you that you really stuck out to you, Alex? Yeah, yeah, I, you know, I'd agree. I think um, taking bits and pieces from certain people, looking at like what certain people do well, and then kind of taking that, and then kind of like what we talked about earlier, but knowing what your abilities are and understanding kind of what your limits are and where your strengths are at. And then, you know, if your strength is your lower body, well, let's look at some guys who really utilize that lower body. And, uh, you know, if they have a really good right leg, you know, like some of those guys in like the 80s, you know, like their lower body is just so dynamic. Uh, you know what I mean? And, mm-hmm. you know, like just uh, like you go on YouTube and you just watch these like your videos from the 80s. You mentioned Timmerman and, you know, Gunther and uh, Werner Gunther, you know, and just some of those guys that, just had such dynamic uh, lower bodies. I think you, for me, like you know, I don't have like a five hundred pound bench, but my lower body is good, so I gotta look at that. 
and I got to look at the guys, you know, like uh, like a Warner Gunther that had a tremendous uh, jumping ability and athletic ability, and like a John Brenner, you know, guys like mm-hmm. that who you can tell who are just wired up, you know, but they weren't, uh, you know, but they weren't necessarily like the heaviest set guys, like a Reese Alpha or like a, um, you know, some of those some of those other guys. So better spinners you know so it's just different so would you say both of you guys tend to look like look a lot of video um i gather that you know both of you guys are pretty dedicated to like you know your coaches and their own philosophies as like especially going into um basically we can call yourself professional athletes now um do you think do you do you find yourself ever having to step away from like doing your own like analysis and stuff and just being like okay i'm here to train and when I get home, I just need to rest, I need to eat, and I need to not think about throwing? Or do you think it helps you, you know, to constantly keep your brain working and keep the mind in tune with what you want to do the next day in the circle? So I think for me, video training is probably, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't look at much video. I take a lot of video. I look at it once, and I'm like, hey, that looks good. You know, I'll use that as, uh, it's more all stored in my head. And while I'm sitting at work, while I'm sitting at home, while I'm taking a shower, you know, while I'm eating dinner, doing those kind of things, I'm doing more mindfulness training and let's build what this feels like. You know, let, let's let's build this feeling in my head. If I can see a throw in my head, I can usually hit it pretty well. But there are times where I literally cannot picture a throw in my head and that's when I start to struggle so Mm -hmm. getting that just solidified in my head more so than watching film is very important to me um but I'm also at a different stage right now in my training where when I get into competition I may be more video based but right now it's not much video analysis yeah, I think it's important. You gotta be able to. I mean, maybe this isn't right, but I feel like you gotta be able to really focus when you're at, when you're when you're training, and then you can't overanalyze things. You know what I mean? Because then you're you're the point where you can think too much. I think, and yeah. I've been to that point, and you get you frustrate yourself, and you kind of uh, you know paralysis by analysis. I guess is what some people call it, and and uh, you know I. I think being able to kind of have certain things that you do to get your mind off training can be helpful and and really maximizing the time that you have when you are training mentally, mm-hmm. you know. And and so, I, yeah, I mean, for me, it works. I, uh, you know, I don't know, I'm a face guy, so I guess for me, like, praying and, and the being around, you know, a Christian community, you know, we had a great FCA at our school, and that's, you know, for me, that was a big thing because it it adds an, an, another element to your purpose, to what you are doing, I guess. And so, um, so yeah, for me, you got to be able to turn it off for a couple minutes and then uh, and then really make the most of the times and opportunities that you got. Yeah, I can sympathize with that. So this past summer, I was uh, I was doing a really extensive training camp with my coach uh, Justin Rohde, and. Uh, uh, my training partners were Taryn Suddy and my former K-State uh, training partner, Ryan Hirschberger. Um, and 
that was the conversation we'd have quite a bit because we would be training five days a week, twice a day. And as much as you wanted to better yourself, like when you're out of training, we found it incredibly like just, we found it very, very hard to escape like uh, the training mindset because you're constantly in the training mindset, even when you're outside of practice. So in a way we would kind of have to be like, okay, training's out, we're done. We need to like, go out and be normal people for the next, you know, uh, 12 hours until the next training session. So I, 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 I've, I've had to struggle with that before. Cause I, I, and Luke would know this, like we, him and I used to talk about video and like training methods all the time. So it's kind of like you get so enraptured in yourself, but there's also that point where you need to, the, in way, in way to make yourself better, you kind of have to distance yourself from it. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And, uh, Doing what I'm doing now, you know, working full time at a chemical engineering place, you know, I get that ability to kind of shut off, um, shut off that training side for a little bit. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't completely shut it off. I'm always, you know, thinking about it in the back of my head. It's always sneaking up on me, but it's (laughs) good to get away and it's good to have another thing going on um, because you don't want your entire life to be you know, dependent on these results, you know, whether that's you have, uh, like you were saying, Alex, your faith or your family or a career or a hobby or anything like that. I think that's very important, but it's also important to remember to divide those two things. I remember coming into training recently, it happened. Um, we're having some issues at work. I came into training I went out to throw my first three throws. All I could think of was work. And I had to consciously say to myself, what are you doing? You have all the time in the world to think about this outside of now. Focus on your training. Focus on what you're doing. And that is something very important. Uh, To quote, um, again, Coach P, uh, he would always, or maybe he was quoting someone else. He would say, when you get to practice, brains go into bed. Forget about class. Forget about things like that. You know, this is just about throwing. Not turn off your brain because obviously you need that for your practice, but forget about class right now. Yeah. You know, right. these next four hours, this is all you are. Deal. Deal. Yeah, I'd agree with that. You know, you got to, you really need to be able to maximize the time that you have. And otherwise, you know, if you're distracted and there's things that are distracting you, then then you might as well not even be there. And you know, no one's perfect, but you got to figure out what motivates you beyond, you know, just little things. You need to figure out what is your purpose. And then, then um, you know, I, I don't know. For me, that's just a big thing, having a, a purpose behind what you're doing, you know, so... So we're actually kind of, we're going to move into almost wrapping up soon, but we, we kind of hit an interesting, interesting uh, topic there. It, between the both of you, what kind of motivates you to, you know, better yourselves? Like, is it, is it championships? Is it, um, you know, breaking your own, you know, possible genetic ceiling? Uh, what kind of motivates you to, to, you know, keep going? Especially as when we were talking earlier, you know, it is a struggle where you have to balance, you know, job, a job and also, you know, this passion. Uh, you know, what keeps you guys moving forward, especially when, you know, to be honest, life might not deal you the best hand in order to pursue athletics. 
Yeah, I guess I can start on that one. Um, yeah, so what motivates me? Um, I would say, you know, I kind of, I would say similar to what Luke said, you know, I think coming into, coming into college, like, we kind of had a chip on our shoulder in sorts. Like, we, I think we're both kind of highly, like, intrinsically motivated people. Mm-hmm. But not a whole lot of other people maybe saw that. And the people who did really did, you know, like our coaches and things. But, um, you know, I think just there's something that for some people, like, there's something wired deep in you that you want to be able to succeed and you want to be able to prove people wrong, you know. Um, I think that exists. And, you know, but now it's like it's not always about just showing other people you know, and, and telling them, you know, see, like, I was right, you were wrong, you know, that's fine, but at the same time, um, I think, uh, you know, if I go up in 10 years, if, if I look back and I say, I did every little thing the best way that I could, and, you know, if, if I ended up throwing 20, 21 meters or 1962, and I, you know, if I could say that I did everything that I could, then I'll be happy. You know what I mean? And then I reach my potential. Um, for me, that that's kind of the way I think about it. And, uh, you know, and it's if it's your passion, then it's not, then, you know, it's your passion. You love doing it. It's not always about, um, you know, making an Olympic team. Like, I'd be, that's a dream. That'd be amazing. But, you know, like, it's your passion. Like, enjoy the ride. Enjoy the, enjoy, uh, the people that you meet and, and just the whole process, and that's that's just the beauty of the sport, you know. So, invariable put that that gave me a lot to work off of, um, and I can ramble about this for a while, but I'll try to keep it short. <laughs> um, I think a big thing for me, and I I come to this conclusion last year was I want to keep training no matter what. Um, it was never about you know the championships. It was never about you know being number one or anything like that. I would have kept with it if I had never you know gotten the stardom that I feel like I got my senior year. You know, going out to Oregon and stuff like that. If I didn't do that, I would have still kept with it. You know, the process is a blast for me. It's going to the gym every day. It's that regimentation. It's that leaving feeling dead. Um, you know, every single thing, it hurts, but it hurts in a good way. Um, I'm the kind of person where I stretch my hamstrings and I want to feel pain in my hamstrings. That's the kind of person I am. Um, so I want that that kind of grinding out pain. is It's, it's exhilarating for me. Um, I'd also be lying to myself if I didn't say that a lot of it is that I have now you know, taste a little bit of recognition from doing what I've done and I want to keep getting that kind of recognition, you know. Um, I get people, like I was saying before, you know, talking about me as a prominent glider, you know, that's a big deal for me. Um, I want to prove people wrong, even if, you know, people, you know, even if they don't say they don't think I can do something, I just want to prove your expectations of me wrong. Um, at my Patriot League Championships, when I threw my current PR, um, one of the other team's coaches said to my throws coach, wow, he threw well, let's see how well he can hold out that peak. I wasn't set to peak, but it was now, I need to prove that guy wrong. He doesn't understand what my full capability is. Um, 
even back to my senior year of high school, uh, I was dating a girl. I'm not going to say her name, but I'm pretty sure you know who she is, Jason. Um, <laughs> yeah. She she said to me, um, and this is completely out of context. She said to me, "Oh, you're not going to make it to the state meet." You know? Yeah, sure. Mm. I didn't make it to states in high school, but you know what? I I would have if I you know if I were to go back now and I were working as hard as I am now, I would have been able to do that. Mm. And I mean, maybe that's not me winning, but I, it's, to me, it was proving people wrong, proving expectations of other people, you know, showing that I'm better than what you think I am. And that's a big driver for me. Do you, this is, this is a, actually a personal question almost. Do you think not making it to States here in high school added a little bit more motivation when you were in college? I think I've always wanted to be that guy you know I'm not cookie cutter and I love that I have that story I love that I can say I threw 46 in high school and look where I am now Mm -hmm. so I think yeah part of that is motivating because I want to be able to say like you know I was the best shot putter to throw you know 46 in high school you know with what they did after college or something like that whatever it is you know, I like being that guy, and it may be like a niche category where I'm number one. But you know, it, it's motivating to be able to have a cool backstory like that. Yeah, I think I think that's one of the things that like I always thought that was cool that you you share that in common with uh, Justin. Um, you know, two guys that didn't throw at that far in high school, but then came out in college and you know post collegiate so far, Justin. But hopefully, you too. And then just completely proved everybody wrong. You know that that's a very exclusive group. If I can, real quick, I'll kind of add on, like, kind of like what you're saying with like things that other people say. Like for me, the way that I handle that is I kind of I always have that in the back of my mind. And if I see those people, I won't say anything about it. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? But in the back of my mind, I think about it, and you know what I mean, like. But for me, that's not, like, the biggest driver. Like, it's, you want to prove people wrong, but at the same time, like, that's a battle that you're never going to win because people are always going to say things, you know. That's just for me. You know what I mean? I can't, I put those things in the back of my mind, and I use them when I train to motivate and, like, you know. But at the same time, like, I feel like you still need to have a little bit of a higher motivation than, than, uh, you know, worrying about what other people are saying and, you know, but... Without a doubt, you know, that, that is a big motivator and you need to be able to exceed expectations. But, you know, for me, it's it's more like, okay, I'm going to think about that in the back of my head, but I'm not going to talk about it because it, I don't want to stoop to that level, I guess. Yeah, no. Yeah, we, we, we understand that um, because, and obviously we can tell from, you know, this conversation, both of you are incredibly intrinsically motivated, um, you know. You need that uh, that fire in your belly to make you want to pursue it and when no one's looking and maybe no one really cares. You know, it's that it's that it's that journey for self improvement. I think that makes every good thrower. Yeah, because like Luke, you could probably say the same thing. Like when you walked out on that track in Eugene last last spring, you know, like people were looking at us and they were saying, "Okay, like what are these gliders gonna do?" You know. Like that's that's pretty cool, you know what I mean, and and you do get that 
opportunity to showcase what you can do, you know, because we are kind of unique in that way, you know, where there's not very many, there's only two of us there, you know, so it's, it, it is, it is cool. It is, it's a very good opportunity to really, um, you know, showcase what we can do. I couldn't agree more uh, for both of you guys, and we thank you for coming on. Um, I think this is um, a fantastic conversation. I think we learned a lot about both of you, um, and I think I think it's true. And Myron will agree. The glide isn't dead with both of you around. You know, definitely. Um, you know, you know, you guys. Um, right now, you've actually almost inspired me. It's late. I can't train right now. <laughs> but you've at least inspired me to train for the next day, um, because you know, hearing the motivation that you know fuels your guys' training, you know, like I said, makes me want to train, uh, makes me want to you know pursue my own goals. And uh, while everyone does have different goals, you know, just the fact that you know you can talk with other people with those like uh, you know that are like-minded to you, and you know that makes you want to. Uh, you you kind of get a different perspective on things, and you want and you want to channel what you know, what inspires other people to inspire you. So yeah, we thank you you know for uh, coming on. Uh, we're um, where can people find you guys? Um, because you guys now are moving into professional athletes. You guys aren't bound by certain NCAA regulations, and you know how can people come out and support you guys in your new professional careers? Um. Uh, you can follow me at Warning Throws on Instagram. That's all I really have. Unless you want to Venmo me some money, I'll take that. <laughs> but otherwise, there's there's not much other than that. You know, give me a follow. You know, contribute. You know, ask questions. I love to answer any questions you have. Um, yeah, so just hit me up on that. I'm always down to talk about throwing. Yeah, that's that's definitely. I'd say the same thing. Uh, Instagram, Renner Throws. Um, uh, yeah, you can hit me up on there. Um, otherwise, you know, feel free to Bison Throws or NJSU Throws on on Instagram is a is a big page too, and that's kind of my crew that I'm with and training with. So, so yeah, uh, feel free to you know ask any questions. That's the great thing about. I think we've all seen that kind yeah, of the power that that is there with social media that we can help out and uh so yeah we definitely love to you anyway and so yeah thanks for having me on yeah thank you guys for coming on you know like i said this is a great this is a great episode you know you guys inspired myra and i you know you know to continue in our own training hopefully that filters out into our audience and uh i hope you guys have a great night have a great night okay, yep awesome. thank you Throwers of all ages, mark your calendars for the biggest throws clinic of the year. Grand Valley State University is hosting the 2017 GVSU Big Throws Clinic in Grand Valley, Michigan on December 16th and 17th. This clinic will be offering the first ever USA Whammer Throw National Championship, weightlifting for throwing seminars, a USA Indoor National Championship for discus, and the Big Clinic features lectures from America's top throws coaches. Throwers who register with Roadie Sport as a referral code receive a four-week special strength training program designed for shot and discus throwers. Coach Roadie is also offering huge discounts on shot put gloves, wrist straps, and lifting straps to anyone who pre-orders them at registration. Visit throwschat.com for more info on how to register.